All right, welcome into another episode of the Hopeless Sports Manic Podcast. My name's Chase. I'm joined, as always, by my co-host Taylor. And on today's episode, we're going to dive into um, our thoughts on the draft from last week. A little bit late, but we thought better late than never with um, our thoughts on both the Falcons and the Bucks draft. We're going to give our overall on those, and we're going to give... Um, a couple winners and a couple of losers that we thought did well and did not do so well um, in this uh, in this year's draft. And so we're going to get started. But before we do that, we're going to just remind you guys that you can follow us on Twitter at Hopeless Sports Mantic or Instagram at Hopeless Sports Mantic. And you can email us at hopeless.sportsmantic at gmail.com. You can also listen to us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or Google Podcasts. All right, well, without further ado, let's get started with the Falcons. Let's talk about the Falcons draft first. Um, There was a lot of rumors that um, they could potentially move up. They obviously didn't do that. They didn't, I guess, find the right trade for um, moving up into the top 10, even as high as the top five. And... um, you know, Thomas Dimitrov does not like to move back in the draft. So, I'll, overall, got AJ Terrell in the first round. Um, kind of um, maybe expected, maybe a little bit of a reach. But what do you think of the first round pick, and then overall for the Falcons? So, uh, first, I'll start off with the uh, first round pick, which was uh, AJ Terrell out of Westlake High School in Atlanta and Clemson. Uh, university um it's a it's a little bit of a reach um but i mean that's what they in my opinion i said in previous episodes leading up to the draft what they needed more than anything else was a corner and he fits the build of what i personally look for in a lot of corners i don't really like to get undersized guys i would prefer having a lot of length and being uh having good ball skills especially just because receivers nowadays are six five six six i mean julio is a big guy evans is a big guy thomas has decent size like everybody is uh all the receivers that you go up against these days have um a lot of length to them so he fits the build that i'm looking for he does struggle a little bit against the run but i mean you've got a sideline to sideline linebacker like debo and then you got Keanu comes back healthy. I mean, you got plenty of run support already on the Falcons defense. So, um, not a, not a great pick, but a solid pick. And then, um, I mean, there is the, there kind of blew up pretty much immediately after the pick. There was the whole thing about him getting, um, kind of toasted repeatedly in the national championship game by Jamar Chase. There's some rumors that he had a 102 fever leading into that game. I don't really think those are true. Um, he kind of had a tough game. Somewhat great play design by Joe Brady. Somewhat just Jamar Chase being a great athlete. But doesn't worry me worry me that much because he already played in a national championship the year before and had a pick six off of Tua. That was really kind of like, kind of really set the tone for that game. So, I mean, his lackadaisical performance i'll put it that way in the national championship game doesn't worry me and um 
like I said, great size. He's he's a he is he's also his specialty is he's a press corner, which I like. So that way, when they bring when the Falcons bring pressure, extra pressure on the quarterback, especially Brady, maybe not week one, but you'll be able to leave him out on an island against a cor- against a receiver if you need to. So. Not a great pick, but a pretty decent pick for the Falcons in the first round, A.J. Terrell. Yeah, for me with the Falcons, I really wanted them to trade back in this draft. I really want, okay, so you didn't trade up. You didn't find the trade. So obviously you weren't going to go to Okuda. And then C.J. Henderson gets picked ninth overall by the Jaguars. And then after that, you know, if if the Falcons weren't going to trade up for anybody, then or for a corner at least, then maybe you get a Kinlaw from South Carolina. Unfortunately, he gets drafted by the 49ers, so there goes the best defensive lineman that could have been available. Um, for me, like it, it was a little bit of a reach. I mean, honestly, it, it was, you know, he was not rated very highly on a lot of expert picks or um, draft boards um, for Daniel Jeremiah. He was the 31st player on the big board, fourth among corners. And then CBS had him at 50, sixth among corners. And then Mel Kuyper and Todd McShay both had him almost mid to late second round in terms of, in terms of where he is valued at. And for me, you know, I think you combine that. If you combine all of those, it's become it makes him early to mid second round. And you know, I think they could have made a trade in the late twenties or in the thirties and gotten more draft picks and gotten more, um, you know, more help in the secondary because they are they're bad in the secondary right now. They the Falcons are are not good. Um, with AJ or and AJ Terrell is not going to be a guy that can come in and you know be that day one starter. I really don't think he can. And you know from from what I have read, he struggles with physical corners. He struggles with the big or physical wide receivers. He struggles with uh, the big guys. And you know he's going to be facing you know Mike Evans and Chris Godwin and. Um, Michael Thomas and those guys and you know he he's it's going to be a struggle for them because I don't think the Falcons can trust Isaiah Oliver at the other position I don't I don't even think they can trust Casey or or any of those guys at, at, at covering these big wide receivers and the big tight ends that are going to be coming in and um you know I think they could have gotten uh, whether it was Christian Fulton or the guy from TCU I'm for off the top of my head but uh, Jeff Gladney from TCU I think they could have gotten one of those guys later in the first round or you know maybe even AJ Terrell like I said but yeah I I I think that I think the Falcons could have done a little bit better with this pick they could have done more with it they could have gotten more from this pick even if they still went with Terrell late and later in the first round yeah, I mean, I think some of them, I've, I was saying the same kind of thing as you, Chase, wanting them to trade down. I think some of that um, was a little bit of the 
just it being not the usual draft setting. It's all, um, what do I, what do I say? It's all online. It's all remote. So I think a lot of teams really played it safe as far as moving up, moving down. Um, we didn't really see that many trades in the first round um, at all. I don't remember. I don't remember a single trade up or trade down in the first round, but um, yeah, I mean, He's the NFL.com grades Terrell as a um, starter within a year or two. So, I mean, it's he'll be he's he's going to be a solid NFL corner. Probably not a Darrell Revis or anything like that. Um, my comp for him, I guess, kind of like just in terms of skill set, not to the necessarily to the level is Antonio Cromartie. Because he's kind of he's got length and then he's got the um, great ball skills and then he's a he's also has a return ability. He did that in high school, did that in college a little bit. I don't really expect them to do that um, in the NFL, considering he's a first round pick. But um, to move on to uh, the Buccaneers' first round pick, which was uh, Tristan Wirfs, I really like this pick for the Bucks. I mean, they went out. That's what that was what they needed. Considering all these um, free agency signings, that was basically the one weak point was the offensive line to protect Tom Brady. And there were numerous um, linemen that were projected to go towards the middle of the first round. And then um, they ended up going with Tristan Wirfs out of Iowa, which has a plethora of NFL caliber linemen from there. Uh, Brian Balaga, Marshall Yanda, and numerous others. Um, Brandon Scott, Sheriff, is that, is that his name from the Redskins? Yeah. Something like that, yeah. Something like that, yeah. But, I mean, that's kind of... So I guess it's like Atlanta made a bit of a reach, and then Tampa kind of did a bit of the opposite. They came in and basically took care of business in the first round. So, uh, Chase, I'll let you elaborate a little bit more on... Tampa's first round pick. Uh, yeah, I love the pick. Um, I, I here's, I was really shocked. Well, not shocked, but confused as to why they traded up one pick. Niners going to the overall pick to draft the lineman because I really didn't think that San Francisco would get an offensive lineman in that draft, and it turns out that the reason was because. Uh, Joe Staley ended up retiring for the 49ers um, either that night or a little bit or like the day after something like that. The longtime offensive tackle for San Francisco uh, ended up retiring. So I think that was what um, Tampa was fearing, according to Bruce Arians and Jason Like that, you know, were they going to draft that replacement instead of going for what they thought, what we thought would be like a wide receiver. Uh, they ended up taking Kinlaw, of course, but so they made the trade up. They traded a fourth round pick for him and then got a seventh round pick in return. And I, I love the pick. I mean, he's, he's very strong. He, uh, there's a video of him that's, he, he's jumping out of a pool, like literally jumping out and landed not just like, uh, I mean, obviously, I mean, that's just crazy. And then very strong. Um, there's a video of him that's, he's power cleaning 400 pounds, like f five times. And then uh, 
the fastest 40 time among offensive linemen with a 4.85 and you know just a very strong very um very big and gonna be a great right tackle i think at this level um if the bucks need him to go to left tackle because donovan smith ends up underperforming again then you know maybe he's capable of doing that but he's gonna be he's gonna be best at right tackle i think and um, slight techniques that can easily be fixed um, with the way he starts with this positioning um, can tend to get off balance, but I think um, he can fix that very early on in training camp. So I, I love the pick and uh, the Bucks did exactly what I wanted them to do. Yeah. I mean, like you said, solid pick. Um there was maybe I saw a few mocks with um, getting the guy from USC, but I think they went with the better guy. I mean, this guy's a great pass protector. His biggest weakness is a bit is kind of like um, maneuverability to the second level. Um, not he's not very explosive with initial contact, but he's got a great frame. He, I mean, he's got a great frame to. St- as a starting point and then he's played at Iowa. So, you know, he's going to have a lot of solid uh, foundations coming into the league. So, I mean, it's not going to take much coaching up to really get him to the level that they want him at. Um, Yeah. And another thing that I want to touch on is that I saw he was the first freshman to start a tackle under uh, Kirk Ferentz uh, at Iowa. And with all of the offensive linemen that they've had come out of there uh, during his era, that that's really saying something about about Wirfs and his his size and his strength and his talents. Alrighty, we'll move on to the uh, second round of the draft, and uh, we'll start with the Falcons pick. Which I'll say, starting off, this is my my favorite pick of the draft that the Falcons and Bucks did. Um, I mean, granted, I'm going to probably pick a Falcons pick being a Falcons fan, but this was this was kind of just almost like as we're talking about this, I kind of thought about almost like the action reaction kind of thing going on with this pick of Tampa gets a offensive lineman in the first round who's probably going to he's going to be a tackle, probably be on the exterior O line. And then there were talks basically everybody knew coming in Atlanta was going to go corner and pass rusher first and second round or pass rusher in the first round maybe those two positions are what they were going to go for so given that they had Terrell in the first round a pass rusher was pretty much expected for that um and I love I love this pick um I love that he's not he stayed an extra year at Auburn really developed his uh technique a lot more has um uses his hands really well which the Falcons have kind of sh- some of that. We don't know how much of it was the unwillingness to um, work with the coaches by Vic Beasley or how much of it was just kind of a little bit. The coach is not really knowing how to improve guys, but he, he comes in already with NFL level technique involved. He's got, he's very position versatile for ver- he's very versatile position wise, um, which I mean, that's a, bonus to me some of the some of the uh scouts will say that oh you don't really know where to put him he doesn't really fit in anywhere um it just kind of depends on how you look at it i think what they're gonna do is move him to tackle and then have 
a great one-two punch inside, um, which I really like because that's kind of been one of Brady's weaknesses given his lack of, um, like, I mean, it's Tom Brady. He's not the most mobile quarterback in the world. So one of his weaknesses has been the pressure up the middle. I mean, he could have he could have a great rookie year. This is also just going to take pressure off of Grady. So Grady Jarrett might have some improved numbers coming into this year just because not all of the attention on the on the offensive line is diverted towards him. So I think this really this greatly improves the biggest weakness of the Falcons, which was the uh, pass rush. So Marlon Davidson in the second second round. That's just my favorite pick of the draft by the Falcons. It is a good pick, and it's my favorite um, from the Falcons draft too. Um, not overall, but just with the Falcons. Um, you know, I think he's gonna struck. It's not gonna be as easy as people think in my opinion for him to with him mostly with Auburn being on the outside coming to the coming to the inside and being a consistent defensive tackle it's not going to be as easy as people think I think he's going to struggle not struggle but he's going to be a little bit raw in that area and it's going to take a couple weeks for him to really get going and um, I think with um, a few things, I think, you know, he it, it is a little bit different going up against um, a guard and center instead of instead of a, um, a offensive tackle, and I think that that could really be an adjustment. Based on what I've heard, this is a good pick for the Falcons, and um, he should do well here. He should do well in the system. It'll be interesting with him being in a 4-3, but I think that it's a good pick. Yeah, he he really, um, he Davidson bulked up, added weight um, coming into the draft because it was kind of anticipated that he was going to move from being a 3-4 defensive end to a 4-3 tackle. So he's kind of been preparing pre-draft for that to happen. Um I mean, mentioned a little bit Terrell being from Atlanta. Um, Davidson is also from the South. I mean, from uh, Alabama. Um, part of the reason he went to Auburn for college, but that's guy two two guys from the Southeast coming into Atlanta. And um, the min, the big thing that um, kind of raises red flags for some guys that coming in is like their mentality. Um, Davidson gave probably one of the best answers I've ever seen to why he loves football. Cause you, um, just to, you have to go and look it up on your own. I can't really do justice trying to summarize it, but it's just that kind of aggressive mentality is exactly what you look for in a football player, not to mention him being an interior defensive lineman, most likely coming in for the Falcons. So I'm, Un- unsure myself about the Terrell pick, but like I said, this is a prime time pick for um, Atlanta in the second round. Okay, for me, the Bucks second round pick of Antoine Winfield Jr. This was a great pick. Um, he was a safety at Minnesota. He was a first team All American last year, and. If I had a pro comparison, it's actually a college comparison 
to me, his game is kind of like a Richard LeCount at Georgia. And this, this to me is, I was a little bit surprised with the Bucks because we've gone very secondary heavy in the past few years. And um, with Justin Evans, probably not going to be back with the Bucks um, just because just because he's been hurt so much. But, you know, we've had Jordan Whitehead and then Edwards drafted last year. And I think, you know, I was a little bit surprised, but the more I read up on him, the more I really love this pick. He, he's not he's not a ball hawk, which is not exactly what the Bucks need, but uh, I trust that he's going to come in right away and be able to, to start with the team. And Todd Bowles is one of the best defensive coordinators in the NFL. And, you know, I, I love this pick. He was um, one of three bucks who was a top 50 pick um, or prospect and pro football focus. And, you know, it, it's it was a great pick um, for a second round, second round pick, mid second round to get him a first team All-American who's who's had a great career at Minnesota. Um, it was a big win for Bruce Arians, Jason Light, and those guys. Yeah, I mean, he's got the he's a um, he's got a father that played in the NFL, which it seems like every other pick these days is um, like that. Um, I mean, uh, great. It's just great for them to for Tampa to have some kind of I'm guessing they're going to go to have some consistency in the back end because talk to me about this chase I mean Tampa has had a ton of um, back and forth a ton of turnover in the secondary especially the safety position so this is just kind of almost like a, a fill-in pick I mean Tampa's got just with all the free all the cap space I think I'm honestly surprised at how well Jason liked has done in free agency this off season, but um, yeah, just adding consistency in the back end. He's going to be well coached coming out of Minnesota. I don't remember the coach's name. Oh, PJ Fleck. There we go. Uh, PJ Fleck shown to consistently get the best out of players. That's why he did so well at um, Western Michigan. And I expect him to do the same in Minnesota. So uh, yeah, that's a, Pretty, pretty solid pick by Tampa in the second round there. Yeah, and, and to your point, uh, you, I mean, you've watched plenty of Falcons games, and you've seen that Julio's best game of the year every year is against Tampa, and Tampa's never had anybody that's been able to to stop him, or they've never had a system that has worked. And so, you know, last year with Jamel Dean and Sean Murphy bunting, that with getting those guys, guys like that, and um. You know, they're really trying to shore up this secondary because, you know, playing Julio and Calvin Ridley and Michael Thomas and those guys and Christian McCaffrey. And, you know, this is a team that, as I mentioned a couple podcasts, that it was number one in run defense. And this is the same defense that held Christian McCaffrey to two two and a half yards of carry um, in their game last year. And. Um, it was a secondary that really struggled early on as a young secondary. And, you know, adding a guy like Winfield, this is going to just um, provide more depth in that secondary and um, provide sort of a, a mean streak into this into the secondary. Yeah, I think I think him and um, Terrell are both going to have the benefit 
the benefit of, I mean, they're going up against elite receiving cores every day in practice. And so I think the more, just the more time Monday through uh, Tuesday through uh, Saturday, I mean, they're going to, the more time they spend on the field with those guys, the better they're going to get over time. So, I mean, especially with Gronk too, because he's going to, as a safety, he's probably going to get matched up against a good bit of tight ends. So I think being able to learn from Gronk more than anything else for Winfield is going to be really pay dividends in the long run for him. Okay, so for the Bucks' third round pick, they went with Keyshawn Vaughn, uh, running back from Vanderbilt. And, you know, it wasn't one of the names that I thought of when it came when it came to guys that that could potentially be a starting running back for the Bucks next year. And it, when I, when I looked at the, I wanted a guy that I knew could be a three down guy and that could be a starter for the NF or for our team next year. And um, I was thinking of guys such as, you know, Deandre Swift, of course he was taken with the third pick of the second round. So the Bucks missed on him and then Cam Akers and, and guys like that um, were already taken, of course, A.J. Dillon. Um, you know, I'm missing a few guys slipping my mind right now. But, you know, Keyshawn Vaughn is a guy who potentially could be a steal of this draft. And really, I think he's a good receiving back, which is what Tom Brady wants. Um, played two years at Vanderbilt and was a thousand-yard rusher uh, both years and 41 career reception. I mean, he he's a guy that can catch the ball out of the backfield. Um, one thing that concerns me and that's probably going to drive me crazy is the fact that he doesn't have the greatest vision. And, you know, that's one thing that is, that is probably going to bother me a lot. But, you know, um, the, the upside of, of what he had, what he brings is, definitely um something to keep an eye on with um another thing is his burst is not the best i'm not going to have very many long runs which we don't see a lot of those in the nfl anyway so but you know i i think his skill set fits very well with what bruce arians and byron leftwich are trying to do which is be a you know pass first team and i think he's going to be the early down back and i, I think you could see ronald jones with with his struggles of, you know, um, you know, carrying the ball outside and as well as, you know, receiving back. So I think you could see Ronald Jones sort of take that back up third down type back and you could see Keyshawn Vaughn come in and, and be the starter, a solid starter, but, you know, not one of those guys that's going to come in and he's not going to be a, a, a Nick Chubb or a Todd Gurley, you know, coincidental that I named two Georgia guys, but he's not going to come in and be one of those stars like a Melvin Gordon or somebody. Yeah. I mean, this, this pick is a little bit like a third round version of what a lot of people said about the Terrell pick to me. It, this is a stretch granted at that point in the draft, that running back was the need that the, that the bucks had, but I mean, at that point, like you said, Swift went out early in the second round to Detroit. Jonathan Taylor was off the board. Jake, like you and I were texting back and forth, and I mean, running backs were just dropping off the board throughout the whole second round. 
Yeah, and so, because of that, I mean, because of that, that's why the Bucks had to take the, the next running back that was available, even if it was a stretch, even if Keyshawn Vaughn probably wasn't even, you know, probably was fourth round talent. You know, he, the Bucks needed to take the best running back that was available. And, you know, they felt that Keyshawn Vaughn was the best running back available. And, and with running backs just dropping like flies in the second round, you know, they probably thought that they could get a Cam Akers or a J.K. Dobbins in the second or, or the third round. But, you know, those guys just were flying off the board and, you know, they had to take the best that was available at, at that point in time. Yeah, I was even um, thinking like as the night went on, I kind of even pre-draft was eyeballing A.J. Dillon a little bit for Tampa just because he was more of a bigger, more more of a power back, which I think it's never going to go all the way to that extreme, but maybe a bit of like a throwback to the Mike Allstott kind of running style, especially with the new uniforms and kind of trying to bring back the glory days of Tampa. And then it was like he was gone to Green Bay. Akers was gone. That was another one of Chase's picks. So like he said, I mean, by basically by default, the Keyshawn Vaughn ended up being a Tampa Bay Buccaneer. Um, and he quietly I mean, had a very good career at Vanderbilt. I mean, a lot of, obviously people don't know about him because, you know, not a lot of people are staying up to watch a Vanderbilt game or are going to choose a 12 o'clock Vanderbilt game over the SEC game of the week. So, um, just a guy that sort of flying under the radar and, you know, looking forward to seeing what he does coming in and, and potentially being a starting running back for the Bucks this year. Yeah, and with that, we'll move on to um, the Falcons' third-round pick, which was uh, they went center with Matt Hennessy out of Temple. Um, I like this pick. Pretty, uh, pretty good pick. I mean, Alex Mack isn't going to play forever. He's probably only got a, a year or two left anyway. So this is – it's kind of like a – like how you have a quarterback sit behind a veteran guy for a couple of years to kind of learn from him. That's probably what they're going to do here. They're going to let, let uh, Matt Hennessy learn from a uh, pro bowl level center. And then hopefully when Alex Mack decides to hang up the cleats, they're going to uh, allow Hennessy to kind of pick up where he left off. Um, he'll work really well in that situation. He's got pretty solid technique. Um, Reminds me a bit of Jason Kelsey and that great technique, undersized at the center position. Um, but he'll probably he'll be able to add size, add some weight um, while uh, he's kind of waiting his turn behind Alex Mack. Um, knows the game really well. Can real will be able to pick up an NFL blocking scheme um, really quickly. And um, I just I really like that pick. And I think this will not not really a it's not really wasn't one of those ones that jumped off the board as like a steal or a uh, amazing pick for the third round. But I think this this is um, this pick is really going to pay off dividends in the long run and help keep Matty Ice protected for um, an extended period of time. Yeah. And the Falcons needed depth, the offensive line. I mean, last year, of course, with Lindstrom was it Lindstrom that the guard the rookie guard that went out last year and missed most of the season and you know Caleb McGarry's missed time I think I think for this pick you can also see him play a little bit of guard I mean the Falcons were 
at one point at their third string right guard last year. So um, a good pick to provide depth and, um, you know, like you said, can learn from Alex Mack. Yeah, I mean, uh, just that I never even thought about that part of him playing guard. I mean, I don't think there's a lot of question marks surrounding um, James Carpenter, especially, especially. So I think um, him just adding that depth to the Falcons offensive line is really going to help him out here. Okay, we're going to move on to the fourth-round pick. Obviously, the Bucks didn't have a fourth-round pick with their trade to San Francisco and with the Gronk trade. So you want to give me the Falcons' fourth-round picks? Uh, this uh, first fourth-round pick um, that Atlanta had was Michael Walker out of Fresno State. Um, pretty much a very raw athlete. I mean, that's kind of what you're going to see from the fourth round. You're going to see a lot of guys that maybe – had something that stuck out um, as kind of like a major uh, negative, and you're going to see guys that just aren't really that developed technique-wise. And uh, Michael Walker was the latter of that. Um, he has he has pretty good instincts for a linebacker. It was very much like a see ball, get ball kind of uh, player at Fresno State, really moved sideline to sideline really well. Um, but ne- didn't really show that much of an ability to diagnose coverage and make reads in the passing game. So I think they're going to really use him as like an energy guy um, with Devondre Campbell being gone. I think maybe they'll see him get some uh, rotations in at a linebacker, although he was a middle linebacker in college. So it'll be interesting to see what they do with that. But I mean, I kind of wanted them to go tight end here um, just to kind of maybe get at a blocker inside because Hayden Hurst isn't really a great blocking tight end. And then plus, I mean, Luke Stalker, they let Luke Stalker walk and resign him. So, I mean, just to maybe help out the running game a little bit with a blocking tight end. But, I mean, it's the fourth round. You see guys that fit your system offensively or defensively. And uh, clearly, Dan Quinn and his knack for picking uh, fast uh, linebackers kind of took over here, and they went uh, Michael Walker with the 119th pick in the fourth round. Yeah, this one to me was a head-scratcher. Um, I, th- I think that, you know, I get why you get an outside linebacker here to replace Devondre Campbell, but um, I just I don't get it. I don't get getting this specific guy. Um, he was... They didn't have them listed even on the pro football focus didn't even have them listed on their board at all as getting drafted and the Falcons reach for him in the fourth round. I, I, I don't understand that. And then of course, I mean, their starting linebacker right now is that sixth rounder from Yale a couple years ago. What's that guy's name? Boy, yeah, Yeah. I, I don't think that he's a consistent starter and, um, you know, I think the Falcons, they could have gotten, you know, better picks here or they could have, I don't know. They Like you said, they could have gone tight end, try to get a blocking tight end. Um, I know that tight end from Missouri was still available. And, um, you know, I this one was a head scratcher. The 
the safety from Cal, Jalen Hawkins, was another head-scratcher. But, you know, the, I don't think that the Falcons really needed a speed guy. And I I think that it was a reach. And I don't, I don't see him being anything other than a special teams guy. Yeah, yeah, that's I got similar vibes from that kind of like an energy guy off the bench for a basketball team is what he really reminded me of there. So uh, given, I mean, there's not really much to talk about from the. Uh, oh wait, Chase, you got to do your. Uh, we got to do fourth round pick for uh, the Tampa. Forgot about that. Well, we didn't have a fourth round pick, but I do want to mention the fifth round pick. Tyler Johnson was a wide receiver from Minnesota, and I really like this pick. I really like it because, um, you know, we lost Rashad Perryman in free agency this year and needed a, a guy that can go inside and can, um, you know, be a strong receiver um, that plays that plays on the inside, and he, he fits that perfectly. He could have gone out last year, but – you know, chose to, to go back to Minnesota and to to sort of improve on his game. Um, he was describe it one of the more productive wideouts in this class, and I think that he was a real steal of this draft. And um, I think my concern is, you know, he's not the greatest at creating separation from, you know, a quick corner uh, over the middle or other than really just a deep ball. I don't know. Um, much about it, but I think Auburn fans know he had 12 receptions for 200 yards against Auburn in the Outback Bowl, and how good Auburn's defense was this year—that's that's very impressive. And um, you know, I really like this pick, and I think that it's it was um, great scouting by the Bucks here. Yeah, I mean, it's and and it's Bruce Arians at the helm of that offense, so you know he's gonna. He's going to find a way. It's kind of, I don't want to go say he's, he's kind of like the second tier Andy Reid. He's going to find a way to use Johnson's skill set in some way, shape, or form. And uh, like you said, Rashad Perryman gone in free agency. So it's just, you lose one guy and here's a, here's an easy replacement for him. And like you said, he's very productive in college, kind of different from what a lot of the earlier receiver picks have kind of been with. Uh, I mean, T. Higgins, there was D.K. Metcalf uh, in the previous draft, too. Like, those guys were all great raw athletes but didn't really do much production. And then Johnson is kind of like the other end of that as far as um, he's not the greatest athlete in the world. But, I mean, he's run ran clean routes and made sure catches when he's needed to in his college career. Yeah, he's compared right now to Zay Jones from the Raiders. But, you know, at his best, he can be like a Devontae Adams or a Keenan Allen type. Okay, give me your overall grade for the Falcons. For the Falcons, I am going to say um, uh, probably a B, um, B to B minus, like if you're, if you're a teacher, probably like an 82, 83. Um bit of a reach in the first round with Terrell but it is fixing a need and then you make up some ground with I think a great pick in the second round and then um third round is just a solid pick adding depth on the O-line building for the future I really like that and then um you kind of lose a little bit of ground towards the later rounds with a couple of head scratchers with um, Michael Walker and uh, Jalen Hawkins out of Cal, so I'm going to give the 
Falcons, uh, probably a B minus for their draft grade in 2020. Yeah, I I have them at a C, and the only reason I have them at a C is because I like the Marlon Davidson pick, and I like the center. I for, I forgot what his name was right now off the top of my head, but um, you know I like those two picks, but I think AJ Terrell was a big reach, and then I really don't think that they did much to um, fill any other need in the secondary. I don't think that Hawkins from California is really gonna is really gonna be much uh much help and you know they they didn't they reached for these guys I, I feel like thomas dimitrov is just always looking for these guys that can that can come in and just um be sort of the the like oh I, this is the guy that i found you know i don't know what the falcons really really like saw i don't know what their draft board looked like versus versus everybody else's but um yeah, I just wasn't a fan of, of those picks, but I do like the Marlon Davidson pick, and I do like the, the center. So, um, you know, I'll give I'll give them a C. All righty, uh, Chase, what's your uh, grade for the uh, Tampa Bay Buccaneers in the 2020 NFL draft? Honestly, I, I'm, and I'm not trying to be a total bias towards my team here, but I, this was this was one of the best drafts that I have seen from the Bucks in, in a long time. Um, I think um, every need that the Bucks needed, every need that they needed, uh, everything that they desired, they got. And they got Tristan Wirfs at four, or 13, which is a great pick. And I, I think that you know, it's not saying a whole lot that this is the Bucks, the best draft that the Bucks have had in a long time, but you know, it it really is. They they got a lot of what they needed, and they got a lot of great players um, for the value of their pick. Yeah, I'm gonna give uh, I'm gonna give Tampa a B plus for their draft grade. Tristan Wirfs is, I think, was the best pick they could have had in the first round. Um, really is going to do well in his job of protecting Tom Brady. And then Winfield is going to do really well. I just think with him being um, the son of an NFL player, I think that's really going to help out. Um, the reason I'm not going A is because I Keyshawn Vaughn is just a bad pick, and there wasn't really much that Tampa could do about it because the key guys that they really needed were just picked before them. Um, I would have liked to see AJ Dillon. I mean, Zach Moss is pretty solid. Um, Cam Akers, you, you go down the line. There's just, were a ton of guys that would have worked out a lot that I think are going to work out a lot better in the NFL than Keyshawn Vaughn. But I mean, it's fixing the need that they had. So I, but I don't really like that pick. And then, um, Tyler Johnson. I mean, that's just a solid, um, kind of platoon guy you're going to re- he's going to replace a Rashad Perryman so I think that'll work out pretty well and um I mean they made some uh, kind of just depth moves towards the end there which you don't really ha- there isn't really much to say about that so I'm going to give Tampa a B plus draft rating Okay, we're going to take a quick break for a second, but when we get back, we're going to talk about our winners and losers overall from the draft. 
Um, you're listening to the Hopeless Sports Manic Podcast. Okay, we are back here on the Hopeless Sports Manic Podcast. Um, we're going to give you our, of course, our winners and losers of the NFL draft, and uh, in our opinion. And um, Taylor, why don't you go ahead and give me your first winner? My winner for the uh, NFL draft um, is going to be the Oakland Raiders. I mean, they ha- they made a bit of a head-scratching pick in the first round with Henry Ruggs, but I think e- any one of the Bama receivers, I think, is going to do great in the NFL. Um, and then they also had another first-round pick. Uh, I think they traded the way their second-round pick um, to get him, uh, Damon Arnett, who alongside um, – uh, playing with Jeff Okuda in that secondary, he's going to get a lot of tough matchups because they're just going to other teams are just going to find ways to not put their best receiver on Jeff Okuda. And then um, in the third round, they did um, just a he's just a playmaker in general. Played some quarterback, also played receiver in Lynn Bowden from Kentucky. I think he's just going to he's just he has the he's the has the capability of just breaking the game wide open so i think um that'll that was a great pick and then they had back to back picks there and got um with the 81st pick i think they had one of the biggest steals of the draft they had Brian Edwards from South Carolina just big physical receiver has great ball skills just has an nfl body um Never didn't have that much consistency at quarterback at South Carolina, which I think kind of hurt him a little bit. But I think he's got just great uh, potential as, especially as like a red zone threat kind of thing. So I really yeah. like that. I really like that pick. And then, um, not really gonna. They didn't do um, anything past the fourth round, but in the third round, as well, they had this is their third third round pick. They got Tanner Muse out of Clemson, which. I mean, Daniel Jeremiah called him a, uh, like, he's going to be a great special teams guy. I'm getting major, like, Pat Tillman vibes from this guy. I think he's just been, just the leader that he was at Clemson. I think he'll be able to step in really quickly and do well at the NFL level. And then um, fourth round, they also got John Simpson, who's going to, I mean, you get a guy that played at Clemson, he's going to do well, and that's going to help protect David Carr. So first winner. Oakland Raiders. I mean, yeah. Las Vegas, Las Vegas Raiders. Sorry. That's going to take freaking years for me to fix that. Yeah. I think that the Henry Ruggs pick, that was just a total Raiders pick. You know, they've always loved the, the small speedy receivers and th- that he just fit that one perfectly. And then Damon Arnett is just a John Gruden pick. I mean, that is total John Gruden, just reaching for a guy that, you know, I, I feel like I'm overusing that word, but, you know, a guy that nobody even had in the first round. And, um, you know, I, I'm surprised that the Raiders actually knew what a strong physical receiver was going with Brian Edwards. I think that was another great pick. And another thing, to your point, Taylor, about South Carolina is he's also had, he also had Debo Samuel for the first couple of years um, as his counterpartner and um, counterpart. And I think, you know, he's, he's going to be a steal along with Lynn Bowden, those two guys. So if David Carr is still going to be the quarterback, you know, he's got some great receivers coming to him this year. 
So my biggest winner of this draft is the Miami Dolphins. And I tweeted that, you know, congrats to Tua. Um, obviously, that's who they wanted. That was the franchise quarterback. Um, but I also did say, I hope, I pray that they give you an offensive line because, you know, you won't la- he won't last three years um, with the offensive line that they have right now with his injury history. Um, but they ended up drafting three offensive linemen, including uh, Solomon Kinley, um, Josh Jones, I think, was the other guy from USC. And, um, you, know, um, you know, also getting Matt Breida in a trade from San Francisco at running back. So I, I think that the Dolphins did a great job in this draft. And Chase, who's your uh, biggest loser in the 2020 NFL draft? I don't know if this is your biggest loser, but it, it's mine. It's got to be the Patriots. Um, they didn't get it. They didn't get a quarterback to replace Tom Brady, so they're going to be stuck with Jarrett Stidham this year. And you know, he didn't have a great career at Auburn. I don't. I think that part of that was his skill set did not fit Gus Malzahn's offense. But that's that's basically what what we're going off of. And, you know, I, their biggest needs were wide receiver, quarterback, and interior defensive line, and they did not draft anybody from any of those positions. And they traded out of the first round and got Kyle Duggar, who is a defensive two or division two safety. And that was their first pick of the draft. They're also hoarding tight ends. So Patriots are my loser. Yeah, I can. I I don't think you could pay me money to ever say the Patriots made a bad pick because I mean, it's it's Belichick. He's gonna find a way to fit that guy into the Patriots and turn them somehow into a contender. I just, I mean, granted, like I think the first round pick was just the epitome of a head scratcher. But like, like I said, I I, I don't think you can ever count out. Um, uh, Bill Belichick. So I, it's just a big question mark there. Um, I don't really like, well, I don't, I, I don't, I don't want to say I don't really like it. I, I just don't think you can put Miami as a winner yet because they had so many picks and so many guys that haven't played yet. So it's really going to take probably if even a couple of years down the line before we can really say whether the dolphins were a winner or loser. Um, I've said before, I think two was a bust, so I didn't really like that pick over Herbert. Um, but I did like uh, some of the other picks that they did with Brian Flores. You know, was gonna really turn that into probably uh, for sure a solid could be an elite defense, um, which is I think is gonna help out too as a young quarterback. He's not that defense is gonna be able to take pressure off of him and not force him to have to put points up on the board every possession. So I think they had a solid draft, but I just think there's too many question marks at this point to consider the Dolphins a winner here. Yeah, I, I say Dolphins is a winner because, you know, all the posi- the positions that they needed the most, they went out there and they got them. You know, they, they got a running back, they got another corner, they got their franchise quarterback, and they got three offensive linemen. So um, that that's why... If we're going, if we're drafting based off of need, they definitely won this draft. They they got players at the positions that they needed, and and they really did. I don't feel like they reached on a lot of these guys either. 
Yeah, to uh, to uh, close out, um, before we do, I'll I'll give you my um, loser, and then we'll uh, close out the show. Um, so my my biggest loser in the NFL draft of 2020 was definitely the Philadelphia Eagles. I mean, we saw memes about this um, about them immediately after the first round pick. With out of all the receivers you pick. Jalen Rager out of TCU. There's Brandon Ayuk available. There's Denzel Mims. There's um, Lavixia Chenault out of Colorado. I mean, so many other guys that could help out. Carson Wentz, I think, a lot more, and you pick him. Jalen Hurts was just a weird, weird pick. Um, most boards had from and uh jacob eason going before him and he ended up being picked just way ahead of those other two i think it's a bit of um i guess they see some similarities between Wentz and jalen hurts with the uh mobility sake for uh, doug peterson's offense and then um they also had some struggles on the o-line and they didn't go o-line until i think it was the fourth round so just a ton of just head scratcher picks by the eagles so i just my big loser for the 2020 is the philadelphia eagles all right well that's gonna do it on this episode of the hopeless sports manic podcast i'd like to remind you guys again that you can follow us on twitter at sports mantic um instagram at hopeless sports manic and then you can listen to us at um, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and Apple Podcasts. But for Taylor, I'm Chase. That's going to do it for this episode. Go Bucks and go Falcons.